yeah, you're playing sport. That's great. But obviously that's just a hobby, isn't it? There are many more Asians involved in football than you would think. There are nowhere near as many Asians involved in football as there should be. Join us on the Our Game 2 podcast as we celebrate the ones that are and discuss the ones that aren't. So, Kevil, I thought this week we would talk about parents because that's a common objection that's been given to why Asians aren't successful in football. It's to do with parental support or lack of or just different focuses from parents. What are your thoughts on that? I think there is a there is a cultural element to parent support, particularly with um, with Asian communities in general in sport. But I don't think that those factors are really influencing young and upcoming Asian footballers or athletes in general in today's age. I think, generally speaking, I, I know we're we're careful about when we say generally speaking, but on the whole, from from what I've been observing over the last say five years, just gem- generally about Asian sportsmen coming through various pathways is that there really is a massive support network now at home from mum and dad and siblings for these uh, promising athletes while previously or historically through first generation immigrants like grandparents there might have been a lack of support there due to the perceptions of sport and the financial benefits that could be gained I think now that perception has changed amongst parents and parents are far more supportive of their kids in whatever they endeavor to do and that includes sport to a greater extent than previous. So why does the stereotype, the role model minority still persist? I mean, let's talk about academia. So historically, it was success in academia that would lead to a career. And it was a way out of working class jobs. It was a way out of, well, again, working class environments as well. Is that not true that academia is still a massive push and a massive focus for Asian parents? So I had this conversation with with my mum the other day, and we were talking about, you know, why, why Asians are benefiting so much now from from when they first migrated over in the 50s and the 60s and i think the main reason why second or third generation asians are doing well is because asians actually really did put a really big emphasis on academics when they first came over so when you think about things that can generate revenue and income and, and money academics is a big thing that even racism even racism to an extent can't take away it's like if you're applying for a job and you're overly qualified or overly competent an employer would be absolutely crazy not to give you the job because you're going to benefit their company i think that's where Asians initially succeeded when they came over to the country is because they were so well educated. An influx of doctors, engineers, lawyers, mathematicians, people working in STEM fields, they really benefited the UK and, and the uh, economy. But now, now that we've overcome those initial barriers by being successful in education and making good income, there's a movement away from the traditional traditional jobs that you know our grandparents were trying to push us towards because we now realise that there's other happiness and other passions that we can have out, away from those professions and I think that's where where this stems from is traditionally we've been stereotyped to be focused on academics whereas now modern parents are actually really supportive of their kids to go and pursue their dreams and goals and that's why you've got a lot more kids going in or Asian kids participating in grassroots sport trying to become professional sportsmen but for a multitude of factors that we've mentioned on previous podcasts that there are just barriers in their way. So when we talk about academia, so talk about your football journey. How did you balance your academic studies along with your football? Oh, it was it was tough. I'm not going to lie to you. It was really tough. Um, I was I was missing two days of school a week to to play football on day release when I was 15 at Wickham Wanderers and any work that I missed on missed out on at school, I would then have to catch up with. And it, it was tough because I was playing football at school. 
I was playing football at Wickham. I was playing other sports at schools as well. And I was doing, you know, maybe 10, 10 hours of training a week plus a game on the weekend. So it was tough. But I had I had parents that really wanted me to drive my education as a fail safe in case football didn't work out. I stayed grounded in that sense where I had to really be on top of my, my time management and my organization. In hindsight, I'm really, really happy that my parents, they didn't force me to, to, to push on with my education, but they, they suggested that I keep going with it because football is not a given, a given career. You know, as we've mentioned before, the chances of you making as a footballer are very, very limited. In hindsight, I'm really glad that they pushed me towards education as well, because when things didn't work out in football, I had that to fall back on and go to university. Do you think if you had focused, was it, I mean, would it have been possible to focus more on football than you did? And if you had, do you think that would have tipped the balance in terms of you having a more successful career? Potentially during my scholarship, yes. When I was doing my two years at Stevenage, if I had placed more emphasis on football, I might have developed into a better player. But I, I don't, this is personally for me, obviously, I don't have any regrets over it just because I look at I look at some of the boys that I played football with um, in that team or other boys that I know from other clubs who didn't end up getting A-levels or good GCSE grades because of the time commitment they gave to football. And, and now, you know, they're looking to do apprenticeship schemes or spend that lost time trying to get those academic qualifications again. That's not to say that you can't do both at the same time so I did a scholarship and did a levels at the same time I managed to get both but I just wasn't good enough or successful enough to get that professional contract for a number of reasons for, for injury reasons for selection reasons etc etc I think there's a there's a fine balance that needs to be met you can be successful academically but at the same time you can also give your all and manage your time wisely to become a, a good level sportsman something to add in is that there's a danger we talk about this role model minority there's a danger of classing all Asians as a homogenous mass. Now, there's a couple of things which I think need to be considered. First of all, is the fact that if you look at, I think there's statistics on income and general standard of living, etc. And there is a difference between, say, Hindu, Hindu Punjabis, Hindu Gujaratis, and then Hind- Pakistanis and Bangladeshis. And I think some of the Bangladeshi areas are some of the poorest in the country. It's very different in terms of whether or not there'll be lots of factors involved in terms of what kind of push they do for education. They may not have the security that, that other people in other parts of the country do, is the first thing. Secondly, I mean, you've gone down an academic route post your football career. So you've gone to university and you're now studying or you're on your way to becoming a sports psychologist, right? Yes. Whereas there'll be people that I know that you know that are Asians that do all kinds of jobs. You're talking gas fitters, builders, chefs in the media, in the art. It's a difficult one. I, I sit here from a from a position of not privilege because I'm not going to say that, you know, my parents' hard work or my grandparents' hard work was privileged because they worked, you know, really hard to get to, to where they wanted to and they were faced with all sorts of challenges. But I sit here from a position of fortune of as a consequence of their hard work in previous generations to say that I am able to pursue the career choice that I wanted to without the benefit of knowing that I'm going to get short-term economic reward from it. So my career path is a lot of volunteering. It's a lot of giving up your time for free before you then go on to have a good career. But I wouldn't be able to do all of this if my grandparents in the 50s and 60s came over to the UK and didn't do well or set up good businesses. And I wouldn't be in this position if my dad wasn't doing well for himself to make sure that we were financially stable. In that respect, when we refer to other 
minority groups within the Asian community, there is a certain level of retrospective economic sustainability that we have to look at, which influences these decisions. As you mentioned, Bangladeshis, who might not be as economically well off at the moment, they might be at the start of that journey trying to better their lives at the moment for the future so that their children have more opportunities and free will to choose what careers they go into, if that makes sense. It does, but conversely, football in this country has always been the working man's sport, or it has been for the vast majority of the last century and, and now. I guess when you have more money and more, you get more choices and you could divide your time between more sports. Whereas I know in the Bangladeshi community, for instance, they, they're absolutely crazy for football. They play more, I don't know how you'd say it statistically, more per person than any any other ethnic group within the UK. And that includes whites, that includes blacks as well. So they are playing. What is it about the parents that are holding them back in those kinds of environments? I think I, I can't speak from experience because I'm obviously not Bangladeshi, but I, I would think that maybe c- cultural stereotypes might be might be a significant factor. So for example, in our cultures, there's this idea of community, a sense of community where whatever profession you go into, you're going to be judged by other people as part of your religious group or your community, uh, community center. So for example, when I was growing up and I was playing football, I did have people within my community saying, oh, you know, how long is this going to last? You know, when's he going to go into a proper career? And there is this general, this general idea amongst Asian communities, maybe more so amongst the older generations, that there are only certain careers which are deemed acceptable. So being a lawyer, being a doctor, being a scientist, being a mathematician, these are all professions which are almost guaranteed in their eyes to make a a sustainable life. And sport, unfortunately, just does not fall into that category for them because they don't see the other side of sport where if you are fortunate enough to make it, you can make absolute shed loads of money. And it's just not accepted. And I think as well, as you mentioned as well, there's almost a reverse discrimination against sport from those cultures from from those individuals as well where they they see football as a like a white man's game or a middle working class man's game and it's not built for Asians but as I said like more modern Asians now are more accepting of sport and they're more willing to put their kids through these systems and pathways to allow them to pursue their dreams and their careers quite often a lot of these Asian communities they spring up in in poorer areas poorer working class areas which are also where historically the football clubs have been now to give you an example from my local team West Ham so West Ham's old stadium the bowling ground was on a street called Green Street for those of you not from East London Green Street is is known as Little India it's full of Indian shops full of Indian clothes shops sweet shops restaurants takeaways etc now in the 70s when I first started going on a match day though everything would shut down the, the shutters would come down no one would even venture to the area because you had problems with hooliganism etc and that's changed now before West Ham moved everybody was open obviously it's a lot safer because because you've got better CCTV. It's just a, a different culture. Having said that, there's a lot of people I know that still hold on to negative thoughts about football and football fans to do with what they faced growing up in the 70s and the 80s. And this is, I guess, either first generation or, or earlier generations. Do you think that impacts upon both the logistical support and emotional support that parents are willing to give kids? Absolutely, it does. Um, because of what age have faced in the game previously in terms of discrimination and barriers to entry it definitely has a, a historical long-lasting effect on our perception of the sport the I, I mean I, yeah the stick absolutely the stigma and I, I 
I could think of a common example. It's like, well, Bradford, for example, is a highly dominated Asian area. There's a large Asian population in Bradford. So why are we not seeing when I see, you know, on the rare occasion I see Bradford play on the television before the lockdown? Why why are we not seeing the stadium filled with, with lots of Asian faces? Is it because they have other interests or is it because there is a, a stigma around how welcoming football clubs are towards Asian people? It's a complicated debate to have. It's a complicated topic and there's many things to it. But maybe that is one of the reasons why they don't feel welcome to go to the football clubs and support these clubs, which is the reason why they then don't send their kids into pathways. I think it's important to note that when it comes to wanting your children to succeed and be successful in life that's that's not now and never has been limited to just Asians I think there are similar arguments about middle class white people as well and their children not so much not making it but not having the support as well because people are dividing their time between academic studies and and sport I think that's important to note. I mean, even the even the issues surrounding like percentages, for example, it's the, the percentage if you're a young academy player going into a club, the percentage for an Asian player, the percentage for a, uh, a white or Caucasian player, they're going to be relatively similar to start off with. You're still going to be facing that 0.0001% of chance of making it. It's just that as we get further down the line, it becomes increasingly more difficult for an Asian player to come through, which is what we're trying to address. But the issues around, you know, parents having time to take their kids to training and having jobs and distributing time equally amongst siblings they're all issues faced by by all races and all backgrounds how about emotional support because to be a footballer or to become a professional footballer is a long journey Mm. and every single player is going to go through ups going to go through downs as well there is i don't know if this is a stereotype i really don't know but in and amongst the asian community it seems we're less likely to talk about any kind of mental health issues how much of a impact i mean what are your opinions you you have a you study the subject what are your thoughts on that and did you get enough support when you were coming through? Uh, I was fortunate enough to have a lot of support from my parents. My my mum and dad have been fantastic for me in terms of my journey through football, have given me the support that I needed. I went through some some really dark periods in my in my short-lived playing career at academy level, various injuries, dealing with managers, dealing with other players. It, it was tough. Football's a sport where you have to become a man very, very quickly. Otherwise, you get lost in the system and you get forgotten about. And they gave me some really good advice and really good emotional support to to deal with those challenges that I faced but going back to your kind of your mental health question about why we don't feel in the Asian community willing and able to share our our feelings I think it's a lot to do with the identity crisis that young Asian particularly males young Asian males face not just in sport but in life I mean there's this perception that Asian males in society have to be strong breadwinners in the family and they have to provide economically because we are in terms of a culture slightly behind um, more more Western ideology. When we're talking about mental health or we're talking about how we feel, I mean, I can't tell you the last time that my dad told me how he was feeling because I know that even if he's going through something tough, he's always going to try and bottle it up. And it's only recently that when I've had these conversations with him about, you know, it's okay to express how you feel and it's okay to share things that he's actually open up and started talking about them but maybe 10 years ago before I had the background in psychology that I do and the awareness around mental health that there is now he probably never would have done that before and men were more vulnerable then than they are now I think now there is no better time to share your feelings and express how you're feeling 
in our culture specifically because there are so many support mechanisms out there now but it's definitely an area that needs to be touched on more because of the lack of asian role models in sport do you think parents again they're protecting their children they don't see the pathway they don't see role models do you think that has an impact on on how much support they will give their children it's that's a difficult one i'm not i I actually don't have a definitive answer on that i I could see why that might be a factor because there's nothing vicarious there to suggest well if they're doing it then that means that you can do it i can i can see that argument i don't know necessarily whether i would say that's a definitive reason why there might be a lack of support i think other factors like the percentages of making it perception of additional barriers to asians making it in sport might be another another factor i think there are other factors around the issue which are more prevalent than that one but i could see why that is a factor and i think again looking at asians or looking at them not as a homogenous group something that for me and you we look english is pretty much our first language we're very comfortable in it etc having said that asians have been coming to the uk in numbers in large numbers since the 50s or 60s there's been mass waves of migration in the 70s in the 80s it's still continuing now you will still have parents now who have come over when they were younger who english still isn't their first language do you think in terms of the support do you think it's important for parents to have support watching on the sidelines from either the club from fellow parents and this could be a reflection of society as well where if someone is different they may not be not saying they'll be ostracized they may not be as welcome as white British people there there are experiences that I've heard of from other Asian parents in sport and I can give you a really easy example there was um, a friend of mine who got invited he's an Asian boy from Indian heritage got invited to a uh, a trial I won't say which organization it was but he got invited to a trial and um, he was his dad was the only Asian face there there were no other Indians or ethnic minorities there not even one black parent was there there was no black players invited he was the only um, ethnic minority there and his dad said uh, that when he went to the trial not one parent came over to speak to them all the parents didn't stand anywhere near him he was literally just standing on his home watching watching the game he told me that that, sorry the son told me that he had a good game that day and that he thought he warranted the place in this team and he didn't get one and he's playing a very good level away from this organization as well so he would have been a shoe-in based on his competency so the dad sent an email off and when he got feedback on his son's performance they made up a load of excuses as to why he didn't get in and I think that's a really, really good example of why some parents don't feel comfortable, especially Asian parents or ethnic minority parents don't feel comfortable going to these events is because sometimes we, they're made to feel ostracized, outcasted because of not just because of the color of their skin, but also seeing Asians in football is not it's not a regular occurrence. And I, I think there's obviously also a multitude of other factors that influence other people's behaviors in those circumstances just to share that experience it's really indicative of what asians are facing in the game at the moment and why parents might not be as supportive you can imagine first of all they, they can't see a clear direction because the football world is a little bit secretive anyway yes no one really knows how someone is scouted or or how they progress through the ranks. And so not only can you not see it, and then if you're made to feel as an outsider, you can imagine as a parent, you would be reluctant to fully support your child Mm. for something. And that can have an impact, whether it's, even if the parent then tries to hide it, kids will pick up on those sorts of things. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had similar experience as well for myself when I've been released by clubs and I've been literally in tears in the car. Because you know, when you're, when you're a young child, you're passionate about your sport and 
you don't always understand why things happen. You just assume that the world's against you and you're not good enough. And I've had points where my parents have said to me, right, that's it. We don't want you doing this anymore because it's upsetting you. And maybe you're not cut out for this not trying to put me down, but trying to protect me from from myself because I was destroying myself internally through my own failures. But it, it was my myself that was saying, no, like you got to persist. You don't quit. You keep going back for more trials. When parents see their children hurting, they're more likely to step in and say, listen, you're done with this. You're not doing it anymore because we don't like seeing you being uncomfortable. And I think that could be a factor as well, is that maybe because Asians are failing to make it in professional sport in the UK comes with the emotional burden that parents don't want to see their children go through. Did your parents, I know you said your parents were supportive, but did you, did they ever say anything to you? Like this is not for, not for us or not for Asians or anything along those lines? No, they didn't specifically say like, this is not for you. They, they more just said you have to be strong. And if you're going to go through this process, you're going to have to develop a thick skin and through various experiences, which I'm not going to mention for obvious reasons. I, I have a very thick skin now. I've been through enough adversity in sport and in my career to say that I have that thick skin to get through most situations. It's a really, listen, I'm not saying it from a a race point of view. Any player could go through what I went through. It's a very, very volatile experience. And if there is a parent listening, you need to be prepared that your kid could go through similar experiences and things that you might not necessarily be comfortable with. And this is, this is part of the system. Things happen because it's not transparent that you have to just deal with and get on with. But by having these support mechanisms, like having supportive parents, like having um, family members that support you or friends or people that understand your circumstance, it can make the process easier and it can help you drive through those barriers. Fantastic. We'll move on to the conversation I had earlier with, with Sonny Luthra. I'm sure this is a topic that we will revisit at some point. Hello, Sonny. Welcome to our show. Thank you so much for having me on. No problem at all. So just to introduce you, you're Sonny Luthra and you are the father of Rohan Luthra. For our listeners that don't know who Rohan is, could, would you like to tell them very quickly? Well, he's my son, obviously. You've touched on that. He's an 18-year-old kid who's a professional footballer for Premier League Club Crystal Palace. Sonny, if you don't mind me asking, can you just tell us a little bit about your heritage? Are you? Yeah, yeah. I'm, well, I'm an Indian origin. Uh, when I say origin... I was born in India, came over here when I was about, I think, nine months old. So I've lived all my life here. My wife is born in India as well. The kids have all been uh, born here. We came and pretty much have lived in West London all our lives, Hounslow, which is, uh, many of you may know, is a strong Indian um, sort of suburb of London. I live, uh, we all live very close by, and that's us really. Tell us a little bit about Rohan's career, I guess, from, right from when he started as a youngster all the way through to where he is now. Well, up until this year, uh, when he became a professional, he was a student, like all kids. He went to school, but when he was very young, he started to, he liked sport. He always liked sport. I could see that in his blood. He loved it. And we sort of got him into football when he was about four. We took him down to a local club where he just happened to be on our doorstep. And he started playing football with a load of kids. He didn't really have much concentration. Four-year-olds, you don't really have much. And he just didn't, uh, he didn't participate. And we stopped going for a few months. It just so happened that he started his new school from September that year. And they all started playing football at school. And he picked up an interest. So I took him back again. And at that stage, I think he was six. They were, they were selecting their um, under seven or eight side. And the coach remembered him from before and realised he wasn't really interested back then 
and just overlooked him. He put him into a side where um, boys were just there to have fun. And he had another group of boys who were there to play and uh, get into their team. And while he was playing, I was surprised at how good he was. And one of the coaches ran up to, the, to the, the senior coach and said, listen, you better look at this guy. He's quite decent. And that was really uh, how it started. They started playing little friendlies amongst other local clubs. They started playing tournaments. They started having their little mini leagues. While the, while, I don't know if you know much about grassroots football, you tend to get, it was new for us, you tend to get scouts from clubs watching these matches. And the first time we knew about all of this was when someone from Chelsea approached the manager of this club and said, look, we like the look of this guy. Can we call him in for training? And we thought, well, this is brilliant. Didn't know anything about the system. This was at six, yeah. This was at six. He was asked to go in. What it was, was he was a, a footballer. He didn't really know what position he wanted to play in. And what they did at all ages was they put, put you in every position, you know, to get a feel of what you like, what you would like. And goalkeeper was one of them. He used to like to play cricket as well. And he was a good fielder. So I, I, when the ball came, he did sort of like a, if you know much about cricket, he did like a long barrier to stop the ball from going past him. So if it missed his hands, it would hit his body or his leg and it wouldn't go in. And the coach got quite impressed by something like that. And then said, look, can you, do you want to play in goal for a couple of games? And he said, okay. And while he was playing in goal, that's when the scout from Chelsea saw him and invited him in to have proper goalkeeper training. And I think that was the best thing that ever happened to him because that coach at Chelsea, his name was Sean. Sean Ankerton, I think his name is. Yeah, brilliant. The best thing that ever happened to Rohan because he showed him the basics. He showed him the fundamentals. He showed him what you needed to do to build a solid framework for moving forward. He carried on playing tournaments for his club. Arsenal scouted him. They said, would you like to come down? And at one stage, see what happens is until you're, un until you're ready for the under nines, no professional club can sign you. So you can go and train for whoever, whichever professional club you want. And it, was, it got to a stage where when he was seven or seven, between seven and eight, every night of the week, he was training at a professional club. He would play, train at Watford on Monday. It would be Chelsea Tuesday. Then it'd be Crystal Palace Wednesday. Then it'd be someone else Thursday, Reading, I think. And every professional club in our area wanted to potentially have a piece of him. When it got down to the stage where... We ha it was getting too much. So I just said, we have to choose and we want really a contract or a pre-contract as, as they called it. And we narrowed it down to Arsenal or Crystal Palace. The guy who was head of recruitment at Crystal Palace at that stage, a guy called David Muir, was so impressive. We had, he sort of made our mind up for us. And Rohan signed a two-year sort of contract at the age of nine, sorry, at the age of seven, in the view to signing for Crystal Palace for their under nines team. And once you sign into the system, you're the property of that club, so to speak. You can't halfway through say, I want to leave and play for someone else. You can't do that. So it was a big commitment, but we were quite happy with the, at that stage, Crystal Palace were a, a championship side. And we thought there was a good pathway for him to come through into the first team. Once you play for a professional team, you can no longer play for your grassroots side. So Ryan really had, apart from one year playing grassroots football, He's never played grassroots football. He's been playing in the academy system ever since he was like eight years old. And he's now turned 18. So he's been there for 10 years. He's played at one club. That's his story up until now. That's quite unusual, isn't it? To, for someone to stay at one club for so long. Has he seen many of his friends come and go during that time? 
Well, just to put it into perspective, when he joined in under nines, I think Crystal Palace had a squad of 14 or 16, and there there's only two left now. So was he? He was signed as a goalkeeper at signed as a goalkeeper. He was quite tall. He was always tall for his age, and that helps because he was a big, tall, and strong for his age. We're North Indians. We're Punjabis. My wife's Sikh. I'm 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 from originally from Punjab as well, ancestry that is. Um, Punjabis tend to be sort of tall, big, and strong, and he's got he had those attributes. He wanted to a goalkeeper he was quite good he was a very very good cricketer so he was good with his hands and it helped there was one stage where he was playing county cricket for Surrey and professional football for Crystal Palace so it helped because it was all about hands every year they decide whether they want to keep you on it's called release or retain and he was fortunately retained all the way through can I just ask that first team that he was playing for when the Chelsea scouts saw him what was the makeup of that team? Was that predominantly Asian? Was that a mixed team? What was it like? Do you remember? No, it was, it was basically a mixed team. It was just a local side. It was based in Isleworth. So there happens to be a reasonable population of Asians in the area. But well, how do we say that? I think, I think the makeup of the club initially, when he was a kid, about seven years old, or was made up of equal. Whatever the demographic demographic. Uh, layout of the area was it was you could see that in the team it was reflected a lot of the a lot of the you know I think I think at that stage it's all about when you're young a lot of parents say yeah give them a bit of experience they can play football they can play whatever they can it it was just a glorified baby babysitting service for a lot of people does that make sense yeah no perfectly the moms would literally drop the kids off and then go and do their shopping at Tesco and then bring them back which is no harm there's no there's no big deal because the kids were having fun the mother was doing what she wanted to do, and that was it. It was just a bit of recreation. The kids were running out, you know, which is good exercise, and uh, you know they were learning coordination. So there's no, I've got no issues with that. If you ask someone why aren't there enough Asians in football, one of the common answers that you'll be given is that the, it's to do with the parents and the push for education, etc. How have you balanced that for Rohan, or how has he balanced that for himself? Okay, so the balance really is tough. Um, because to, you, you can't be good at everything because there aren't enough hours of the day. And to, in my opinion, to be good at something, you need to put the time, you need to put the effort in. It's very rare for someone to be an academic A-star plus student and also be a fantastic professional level sportsman. The only people that can do that are people who are actually naturally gifted at both. And if you happen to be gifted at both, then you're very, very lucky. But the majority of people can't do that. So what we were finding out is exactly what you said. We had to have a balance. He was lucky because of his sporting prowess. He was given scholarships to um, the best private schools. So he had the advantage of being privately educated, where they also gave equal emphasis to sports. So I think the balance was provided by the school. It was tough for him because he had to do a lot of extracurricular sport as well as two hours of homework every night. So it did, it eventually, I could see him beginning to burn out, but what can you do? So, okay, I mean, that brings us back to another question. So when he was younger, can you talk us through a typical week in terms of travelling times and how much what time sort he of spend at training? It varied from... I, I guess from secondary school, from around... 
12 to 13 up to about 15 when they do GCSEs. Okay, so 12 to 15, he was at a school in Croydon called Whitgift, which were at that stage, Whitgift was the best sports school in the country. They, they were, every team they put out, they were potentially national champions in everything. He would have to leave home by seven. He'd take the train, it'd take him an hour to get to school. He would have to do his schoolwork as he would at school. Lunchtime, they'd have practice, like there'd either be football practice or there'd be first team cricket practice, which he'd have to do. And then after school, he'd have to go three times a week to Crystal Palace for training and one night a week to Surrey for cricket training, as well as three hours of homework. When you, um, when you sort of approach the school to say, well, you know, it's a bit too much, it was, no, they've got to do it. We, th- th- unfortunately, that's what he has to do. There was one time, and it's a really interesting story, where he was, um, he was not selected for the first team cricket because he didn't attend the practice all, all winter. But the practice, cricket practice, winter training, was at the same time the football first team were playing football matches. So the, 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 the departments themselves had conflict. You're not playing cricket for us because you're not coming to training. But the reason he's not coming to training is because he has to represent the same school in football. So it was a tough day for him. He used to get very, very tired. And don't forget the weekends, there were matches. So you'd have to play matches. And if you're playing academy level, your matches wouldn't be just around the corner. You could end up playing Norwich City away, or you could go end up playing Reading away, or Portsmouth away, or or Southampton away, you know, it, it, it was long journeys. Was there ever a time that he considered switching to cricket instead of football, or was football always Never. his number one choice? Right. Football, football was his number one sport. Football was his number one. He, he played cricket because he just loved sports. He was good enough to be a professional cricketer, but his love was always football. And he was focused. He knew what he wanted to do from a young age. And the thing that, that you say about Asian parents trying to mix education, yeah, I think slowly now, parents have to understand there are more careers out there than just being a doctor or an engineer or a lawyer. There are other ways to make money. You don't have to be a billionaire. As long as you make enough money to survive, you should do what you really want to do. We realized very early that Ryan wanted to be in sport. So we supported him. We didn't push him. We supported him. The minute he wanted to stop anything, that's it. We'd stop. But he never did. He never wanted to stop football at all. He wanted to stop as soon as he got offered a scholar, which is like the old days, it'd be called a, um, a YTS or an apprenticeship at Crystal Palace. As soon as he was offered that, he just didn't want to play cricket anymore. And we supported that. We said, fine, we give up cricket. Does that mean he left school after GCSEs as well? He had to. That was it. Yep, you have to become full-time at a professional club, but they do provide you with education. So he did have a, he did, he was doing a BTEC. Was there any of either your family or circle of friends that had not so much resistance to it, but had were cautious about Rohan and his focus on his football? Or were they all supportive of you and him? No, they were, they were definitely all supportive. Supportive, definitely. That's one thing he's got. He's lucky that he's had full support from every member of the family. Uh, my, my, my mother, his grandmother, she wasn't actually, she took a while to understand what was happening yeah, you're playing sport, that's great. But obviously that's just a hobby, isn't it? You still got to go to university, I presume. And he went, no, this is my job. Oh, and as soon as she figured out what was happening, that was it. Yeah, she supported him. Fantastic. So has Rohan got siblings? My, my daughter's actually, his, oldest, his older sister is studying law. So she's uh, 
going to be hopefully be a, a big a big lawyer one day. Okay, and how did you find managing? Because Rohan, I'm assuming, took a lot of your time. How was that managing being present with both kids and giving them equal attention? We tried to, but 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 you're right. There was a problem. It was only just because of time. You know, taking someone here and there, you don't give them as much time uh, as uh, as you would normally. But she's a lovely girl, and she's she adjusted really well, and we were lucky with that respect. In terms of again, we've, we're going back to the topic of Asians and football. Is was there many other Asians that played either with or against Rohan as he was growing up? Ever since he was in the academy setup, we have probably I would go and I would go as far as to say I haven't seen another Asian footballer, and I mean when I mean Asian. I mean, like, both parents are uh, either Indian or both parents are either Pakistani or Sri Lankan. I haven't seen a single one. Okay, and that's 10 either years for, of or the, for Crystal Palace or against Crystal Palace. Right, okay, that's pretty damning, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I don't... Uh, the, obvious question I, the obvious question is why. Unfortunately, my answer is I don't know. Was there at any point... I mean, feel free not to answer. This is a difficult question or awkwardness. Was was anything ever made of the fact that Rohan was Asian as he was playing, either from the club or from scouts, coaches, etc.? No one ever said anything to me. Whether they said something to him, I don't know. But listen, football coaches, football scouts are no different to anybody else on this planet. I think you've understood what, I've tr- what I'm trying to say. In, in society, things are said... Things are, are viewed, people have opinions, people have, percep- have, have a perception of how an Asian should be. Why would football be any different? But personally, I, no one said anything to me. Okay, and when you were going to games with Rohan, you're the only Asian there. Did, was it, as a parent, being on the sidelines and supporting, did you, was there any, do you ever feel excluded or ostracised at all? no, no. Not at all. The thing is, you see, we were um, we were lucky. We we've been at one club. None of the parents at all, you know, even the coaching staff, none of them showed anything but respect towards us. But you'd expect that from decent people, I suppose. Yep. Okay. And just to wrap up, what's Rohan planning? He's eighteen. He's a goalkeeper, a professional goalkeeper at Crystal Palace. Is he looking to go on loan? What's his short-term ambitions, and what are his longer-term ambitions? Well, short-term is he's only just started his first. This is his first season um, as a professional. He unfortunately didn't start it well because pre-season he was doing some. We had obviously everyone was in lockdown. We couldn't do proper. So he was doing a lot of home training himself and in an attempt to get really fit and come out really with all, all guns blazing, he was doing workouts himself. And one of the exercises, he was jumping over hurdles and he fell awkwardly pretty much a month before the, not a month, two weeks before the season was supposed to start and he injured his ligaments. So he hasn't actually started full training yet with the squad. So his short-term gain is to get some sort of stability within the squad after that, whatever the club suggests, he should do. He needs as much experience as he can playing first-team football. So whatever they say, I guess um, that will be it. And longer term, I'm assuming that his, his ambition would be to get into the Crystal Palace first team and push on from there? Well, longer term, I think he'd want to play, want to play for England, I guess. 
Fantastic. Okay, just before you go, Sonny, is there any advice you'd give to either parents or young kids that are looking to become professional in the game? Is there anything in particular that that Rohan did that you think? Yeah, look, what I would say to all parents are: if your kid has a passion, if your kid has a has talent, don't dismiss it. If your kid was good at science, you would get him extra tutoring. If your kid was good at maths, you would get him extra tutoring in maths. If your kid was good at, for example, acting, send him to acting school. If they're good at sports, especially football, invest time in them. If they're not good enough, let the clubs tell them they're not good enough. Don't you be the person that decides you're not good enough. Because who's to say that your son isn't the next Rohan Luthra, isn't the next, I don't know. So, don't dismiss it. Sports now is as good a career as being an engineer or an accountant. Fantastic. Sonny, thank you very much. Thanks. <laughs>